the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to a new edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, getting to mix it up a little bit today, which we're super happy about, on the rare occasion that we have a G5 football player join us, and we have a great one today that Eric Henry and myself are extremely excited about. Uh, but first, uh, we have another new addition to the show, and that's Eric Henry's microphone, sounding crispy and clean today, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I figured we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years, so it's about time as the as we grow more and more high profile across the uh, Conference USA landscape, I should probably just invest in a mic. So glad to uh, glad that I don't sound like I'm underwater, you know, like I did before. Certainly worth the investment, I will say. And uh, without further ado, we'll jump into it with our guest. You know him as the quarterback for the Middle Tennessee State Blue Readers, a product of Chicago, Illinois, Mr. Asher O'Hara himself. Pleasure having you on today, sir. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, I've definitely tuned in to a few of your shows before with my dad. He's a fan of your guys, so it's cool to be on here, actually. Dang, I'm, I'm going to take that compliment and... Just ride it all week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks, man. I know we've enjoyed watching you play and we're excited to get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so Eric, I know usually I start the uh, the line of questioning with our guests when we have them on, but today let's let's mix it up and let you uh, put that new microphone to use if you want to start asking Asher some, uh, some questions about his college football career and uh, what he's been up to the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into his college football career, I'm glad he mentioned his dad. I got to I got to say a shout out to Mr. Les O'Hara, who has DM'd me, whether it's been about this podcast or another podcast I do, QB Spotlight. So, you know, shout out to him for all the all the great feedback that he's given me in, uh, on the uh, on the podcast here. But uh, just ask, you're going to start off really quick. Are you are you back in Chicago right now? Or are you uh, down in Murfreesboro? Yeah, I'm in Chicago with my family. I've been home for the past uh, ever since March 14th, spring break. I've been home. So. I've just been chilling here with uh, my three brothers. Nice, nice. So um, for those of you who have not heard this podcast, and most of you probably have, but, you know, for for those of you who have, forgive me, I'll tell the story one more time. I went to grad school in Chicago, so I'm pretty familiar with Asher's career as I had a chance to watch him a little bit at DuPage. And not only that, I know he uh, he played at Rolling Meadows, and one of the first assignments I had was covering high school sports. I had a chance to – um, I want to say it was a game against Palatine. You're, uh, I want to say it was like junior or senior year. I had a chance to cover one of those games, and then I've had a chance to cover it since JUCO. So it's great to have you on. But I'm going to start with some with some Chicago questions. So first and foremost, uh, Sox or Cubs? Cubs. But overall, I'm not a baseball fan, but I am a Cubs fan if I have to be. All right. So second question, and this one is the most important question. Giordano's or Luminati's? Lou Malnati's no question. <laughs> uh, for those of you guys listening, that is, if you go to Chicago, I can promise you right now, you will have someone who, you know, will tell you if you're a tourist and not a local, you'll say, oh, yeah, if you're going to get deep dish, you got to go to Giordano's. Do not go to Giordano's. Go to Luminati's all the way. <laughs> Joe, that's uh, that's you, you included. I know being the food guy yourself, I promise you, you will not regret the uh, the trip to Luminati. So I just had to to get that yeah. disclaimer out of the way. So, uh, so Ashley, really quick, man. You know, obviously, you're you're from. For those of you who don't know, you're from a suburb of Chicago, Rolling Meadows. What's it like going from you know that area, Chicago land, to Murfreesboro, Tennessee? I mean, that's you know a pretty stark change. Um, it was different to start, and it, it 
I kind of expected to be a lot different because I really haven't been to the South much in my life at all. So I've only heard, I, I would hear some of my teammates accents and it'd be the biggest deal to me, but really the transition there wasn't too difficult. It was just a little different with how people act. And it's actually funny. They're mainly nicer down in Tennessee opening doors for you and stuff like that. But just getting to the city of Murfreesboro, it's not that much of a change. It's been real nice for me. And I, I like to call it home now. I, I really like the city, like my teammates. And it's easy to have fun in a place when you're around good people. So I, I've adapted well, and now I'm used to it officially. So, Speaking of you know, food on that last question, was there an adjustment food-wise? Because I know going from Florida to Chicago, it took some time to figure out. And Chicago has great food, but it took some time to really get adjusted to what were the staples there. Did it take some time to get adjusted to feel the, the meal plan down there going from uh, Chicago to Murfreesboro? Yeah, that, that was probably <laughs> the biggest difference. <laughs> I, I just had to get used to more barbecue and stuff like that, but I always, I'm good with whatever. So uh, before your, your season last year, you had a chance to back up Middle Tennessee State for your starter, Brent Stockstill. Just talk about what that experience was like to get a chance to sit behind him for a little bit for a year. Oh, that was the most helpful thing that could have happened to me is just being behind a guy like that. He was a really good mentor and a really good friend of mine. And I was just lucky enough to be able to see him in his last season because he had all the experience of the four years prior. So I got to learn as much as I wanted really in one season. And me and Chase really tried to just soak in everything like a sponge that he said, because he, he was really smart and knew how to play the game well. So just being behind him was absolutely perfect situation for me and in that Florida international game when he went down it was so surprising because he's never he he deals through every injury I've heard all the stories of years prior so he really had to come out with this high ankle sprain and I just I felt like I was ready for it because in practice I just was playing my game and Brent gave me confidence when it was time to go in for me and I just played football that's all I know how to do so I, it was a fun experience and helped me get my feet wet for this past season so you mentioned that game I'm going to come back to my next question because obviously I covering FIU I had a chance to see that game as well as uh, a pretty epic game last year for a myriad of reasons but we'll come back to that in a second uh was there like one major takeaway that you'd say you know whether it's Brent maybe, maybe it was his you know leadership off the field or just what was one major takeaway you, you, you look back now having a year of college, excuse me, college starting experience under your belt. And you say, yeah, um, that's the biggest takeaway I got from Brent Stockstill. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those. Let me think of one good one here. I'd, uh, I'd have to say that it's just the, the mental aspect of the game is just so important. And what you have to do off the field is how you perform when it's time to actually play under the lights. It's, all about how you prepared prior to that and he taught me that really well he never took a rep off so that's something I took and was the main thing I took from Brent I'd say so you mentioned coming in two years ago against Florida National down in Miami and you kind of hit the nail on the head right there Brent Stockstill's been you know I mean just like a workhorse a warrior throughout his career at Conference USA didn't really miss too many snaps and you mentioned it he had a high ankle sprain you ended up coming in if my memory serves me correct that was in the second quarter 
Uh, just take me through like, you know, your range of emotions, like you said, having to come in for a guy who's usually not injured. And then also, if anyone, you know, who, who isn't familiar with that game, uh, Middle Tennessee State and FIU came in both really battling for first place in Conference USA East. And that game put FIU ahead in the East. But that game came down to a, a last minute drive where Asher was picked off by FIU safety Olin Cushion in the end zone, which uh, which cost him the game there. But just take me through the range of emotions, you know, going in, you know, getting in the game and then kind of, you know, whether it was settling in and just how long it took you to kind of, you know, get to get settled and get your feet wet and get going. I think it was just really fast. It all happened so fast. I was in there and a play goes by and I just felt like back to my normal self, just playing the game I love. So it really, I, I felt settled in after I got tackled that first time after I ran. So, but really just on the sideline, just once I saw him down, I'm like, okay, this, I got to warm up, but he probably won't come out. And then he actually did. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Everyone's on the sideline showed that they have confidence in me. And it was just a nice uh, boost to see that the team's morale didn't go down when I when Brent went down. They they believed in me. Uh, I just wish we could have won it, but that's a different story. Well, you guys certainly made up for it this year. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, I, 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 the top of my head, I cannot remember the final score of that game. I want to say it was forty nine to fourteen or forty nine to seventeen this year in Murfreesboro. Um, can you just take me through that game for a minute? Just because for, for those of you, once again, who, who may not be familiar with that game, the first half was a pretty pedestrian game in terms of, you know, the score was, I believe it was 14-13 or 14-10 at halftime. Yeah. But there wasn't, I mean, I've never covered a game in which the weather changed on a dime. I mean, it was overcast pregame, but when you guys came back out for the second half, it was a torrential downpour. So I'm just wondering if you can kind of take the listeners through that one for a little bit. Yeah, it was insane. I'd say that's my favorite game I've played in. And it was just the fact that the first half, it's it's going decent, not great. We're just back and forth. And then we go in halftime and we hear these lightning delays and see the weather outside just change completely. And our coaches really had to put uh, make sure that we were focused enough for that. It's, they, they, they said that one of, the, one of our teams is going to back out here and it can't be us. And what we did, we just came out. There was about 10 people left in the stands because it was downpouring <laughs> and lightning and stuff. And just felt like we were playing in the backyard, which is where I play my best. So I, I just – we had so much fun just running the ball. It was super, super sloppy. Couldn't throw it that much. It was really just a lot of running. My running backs were getting loose, and my O-line was getting a ton of push up front. So that was just a dream come true. We could just run the ball, play like the old days. Yeah, once again, for those of you guys listening, when Asher said there were probably about 10 people left in the stands, and I, I'm definitely not going to come down on Blue Raiders fans at all, but I, I can't blame them for, you know, choosing to get out of Dodge on that one. I remember it was homecoming, and it was a downpour. I mean, just from being inside the press box, we couldn't see more than a foot in front of us just because of the rain was coming down, and it was it was cold. I, I want to say memory serves me correct. It was Halloween weekend as well, so there probably were a lot of things to get into outside of a waiting out there in the rain for that second half to start. But uh, just on a broader question on your year last year, Asher, just take me through the experience of coming from a JUCO to a Division One football. What was that experience like, and how long did it take you to really get adjusted? And and did you kind of have a moment last year when it just clicked and you were like, okay, you know, I can play. I've excelled. Uh, I've excuse me. I've excelled on the high school level. I've excelled at JUCO, and now I'm excelling here on Division One level. Yeah. So really, just coming into that camp 
last year's camp, I had the mindset is that you just have to go get it. You can't let anything, no regrets, nothing like that. I, I believe I'm good enough to be a starter here. And I just had that mindset that I, I, you just have to believe in yourself. So going into camp, I just did that. And then we go into Michigan week one, I earned the starting role and I was just ready to play. So excited to play there. My dad had played safety at Minnesota. So he played at the big house a few times. So it was just a really cool experience. I had about 35 people there watching me. And that was when I knew is that I could play on this level. Well, I had it against FIU the previous year, but this Michigan game is really, it just kind of showed no matter the stage, it's really just football you're playing. No matter how many people are there, this is the game that you grew up playing. And it's just what I know how to do really. So I just felt like from there I could keep getting my game better and better piece piece by piece and just try and become a great quarterback and work on some small things that I needed to fix. And I just felt like that Michigan game helped me get my feet wet and get me experienced. Before I get ready to pass it back to Joe, I'm going to play a little word association with you here and just kind of what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I mention some of your teammates, just some of the first things that come to your mind when I, I mention these names. Uh, going to start with a couple of your receivers. Let's go with C.J. Wyndham. Ball getter. <laughs> Jimmy Marshall. Dog. The team's leading receiver last year in terms of uh, receptions and yards, Jaron Pierce. Playmaker. A guy who had an extremely long run in that FIU game, I believe it was 90 yards to the house, uh, Jay McDonald. Train. All right, Joe, you got it there, man. So uh, <laughs> from there, it's uh, clearly the Blue Red has got more than a few playmakers coming back next year if you uh, ask Mr. O'Hara. So, Joe, I'll let you take away with your line of questioning. Definitely high praise for your teammates, and it's certainly not unwarranted. Uh, obviously, it's a weird time to kind of stay connected with teammates, friends, family members uh, during the COVID-19 outbreak. How are you and your teammates staying connected at the moment with uh, you guys being in separate places? So we have a few group chats, but we have some with our strength coaches. And what we do is we send in when we trained and we show a little video of what we did that day and just making sure we're all accountable and showing that we're working out and stuff like that. And also besides that, it's just the day-to-day texting and talking to your teammates on social media, whatever it may be. Just, you got to keep communication because you don't know how long this could be. Could be one more month, could be no season at all. So you just got to play it like it's going to happen. You got to stay close with your team, make sure everyone's doing what's right. Not to, uh, you know, stick on a downer note too much, but uh, I guess what kind of goes through your head when you think about the possibilities of what football season could look like this uh, this fall, either with no fans or, like you mentioned, not even having one at all? Yeah. Um, it's tough to think about if there weren't going to be a season, but it's really – I mean, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. There's nothing we could do to control that. You just have to be prepared like it is going to happen. And if it comes to no fans in the game, that's fine by me. It's just just playing the backyard football, just like that FIU game. So I'm really open to whatever. I, if it no season happens, I hope it's for the best of the people and keeping everyone safe. But if it's possible to have it, I sure hope we do.
I know we're all hoping for something, uh, a solution resembling that as well. Um, so jumping back to football, when you look at your game and what you've crafted it into over the last, you know, decade plus playing football, who are some names you try to craft your, your game after some examples of, you know, maybe some pro players you grew up watching or some, uh, some other guys from the college space that you particularly enjoy. Um, I loved Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch and he just was a real playmaker. No matter what, he'd know where to go with the ball. He was someone I watched a lot when he was a junior and senior. But before that, I really loved watching Michael Vick growing up. That was my favorite quarterback of all time. And just playing with him in the Madden games and stuff like that. It was just someone I admired. And I just thought what he did at the QB position, how he ran, is just so distinct from everybody else. And no one else has been like him, really, except looks like Lamar Jackson might be like that. But I'd say, yeah, Mike Vick was a big, big key player when I was growing up to watch. But I would really say that my running game, I, I watched LaShawn McCoy. He's my favorite player. I just would watch how he would do his juke moves and try and practice them myself. And that's where I get some of my moves from is him. I loved watching him play. Do you remember how old you were when you kind of realized what kind of quarterback you were and that you excel in the run game as well as in the pocket? It was actually, yeah, it was later years, more – sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school, when I made some good plays and I was like, okay, I never really thought in my head, Oh, I'm a running quarterback. It just happened to work that way. I just, it's all I know how to play. Fair enough. Um, so looking back on your 2019 performance, you put up numbers this year that not many quarterbacks are able to achieve, especially within CUSA. I think the last time uh, that a quarterback in CUSA achieved uh, the numbers that you did on the ground as well as in the passing game, it, it's been at least a decade. Uh, and then after all that, we didn't see you on the all-conference team or an honorable mention. Did you feel slighted when you didn't make the all-conference team or name to any of those lists? Because I know we certainly feel like you did. I appreciate that, but I actually didn't. I mean, I just, it's not worth me thinking about. It's its just a list at the end of the day, and it's not something I was waiting for them to come out with. I didn't really even know it was going to happen, and then someone told me that I didn't make it, and I was like, okay. I just, we just had to perform better as a team. That's all that matters is getting wins. I don't care about these individual re rewards at the end of the year. Makes sense. True team player. Uh, speaking of that, when you look back at the first month of last season, you guys had, uh, you know, a lot of difficult games baked into those first four weeks with trips to Michigan and Iowa hosting Duke. And then, of course, the uh, the win against Tennessee State. What was that first month of last season like from what you can remember with, you know, those challenges that you and your teammates faced? Yeah, it was really different environments that we played in, and it was different to play teams out of the conference because I had been watching Brent play all these conference games the last season and then we just go into Michigan and we're at Iowa and we're playing Duke and Tennessee State all great teams so it's just you just have to not worry about them as much and just focus on what we're able to do and and just not think about as much you know how big this school is we just have to perform how we're going to perform play a perfect game and it was just an honor to play in those two places, Iowa and uh, the Big House. 
Is it weird for you now seeing Brent Stock still on FAU sideline, I believe it is, as a coach when you spent those, uh, you know, those months and, and that time backing him up at MTSU? <laughs> I remember seeing him uh, before the FAU game in Florida. It was, it was a nice reunion. It wasn't that weird for some reason. It just looked, he looked so fitting to be a coach. I always knew he could be because he would basically coach me every day. So it's nice to see him doing that. Good to know that skill set uh, skill set runs in the bloodline. Apparently, Asher, as you look towards uh, the twenty twenty football season, and assuming we do get to see you back on the field uh, sooner rather than later, what are your expectations for yourself in twenty twenty? I just want to become a great leader, a quarterback who gets the ball to the right guys, and making sure that this offense stays rolling. Uh, I want to have our offense be above thirty points a game. It's just we we have to score whenever we get the ball. We can't we can't just have three and outs. That's something I need to work on as a player. It's third down, knowing the down and distance and knowing where to get the ball if people are blitzing. I just need me individually. I have a lot to work on with that. Coming third down, looking at the defensive uh, front, seeing everything that's open. But I just think overall we need to do better as a unit, combine and become one, and just make sure that we're all getting touches and getting scores really so asher it's eric here really quick i'm just going to sneak in here one last question i would be remiss if i didn't shout out a friend of mine who i believe was a guest in your quarterback meetings uh, via your offensive coordinator tony franklin my friend emily van buskirk i believe she was on on your uh, on your quarterback meetings a couple weeks ago is that correct yeah yeah she's awesome <laughs> I was asking, what was it? I uh, for those of you listening who, who may not have heard me, shout out Emily. She is a writer for Yard Barker and a good friend of mine. We've covered a ton of games together. She's uh, she, she's always a riot. So that's why I'm coming back to Asher to ask her, ask you, uh, what was it like having her in the meetings? I'm sure she had some funny questions or observations while she was in there. Yeah, it was a really good time to have her on. We weren't expecting her, but I, I knew her before the meeting, and she's just she's definitely fun to have on, and she knows her football, so it was fun to talk football with her. We actually did a, a mock draft about this year's draft for quarterbacks with her, so that was fun. We were arguing over who's better. Asher, if I uh, if I'm able to catch you up pregame before uh, the FIU game next year, I have to t- tell you a story. She, we went to a bar last year before the UCF Stanford game because it was a bye week for CUSA, and we ended up covering that game together. And she ended up like taking on 15 people in a mock draft uh, for the for the NFL draft this year, and she got like half of the draft right. So that just goes to show wow. Emily Emily's skills as far as uh, projecting what she can do as far as uh, the draft goes. But Joe, I'll let you go and close it up from here. Sure thing. And uh, Asher, I know it's uh, it's been said over the course of the show, but it's been a great honor having you on. Anytime we can get uh, a player on the on the show, we're extremely grateful for the time. And especially considering the circumstances, glad to hear it sounds like you're uh, you're safe and, and doing well with your family. So can't thank you enough once again for your insight into what's going on with MTSU football and uh, what your thoughts are in next season, man. All right, you just listened to us interview Middle Tennessee State quarterback Asher O'Hara. And, you know, uh, Eric, I'm, I know you probably feel the same way and you've interacted with him prior to this, but super humble kid, obviously extremely knowledgeable about the game. And, uh, you know, not that I was really expecting him to, you know, have anything negative to say when I when I asked him about the fact that he didn't 
makes the all CUSA team last season, despite having a, a really historic season by CUSA quarterback standards. But yeah, I, I think I think he's going to be okay. He, he's clearly got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you, you mentioned, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times, whether it's been through DMs or just, you know, uh, you know, in covering Conference USA. And he, he really, like you said, he's a great kid. Definitely someone who's very humble. And one of the things I remember uh, when I talked to his dad, one of the things that, that really stuck out to me, Joe, and we talked about that FIU game last year a lot, but Anyone who gets a chance, and I, and I please, I highly recommend for, you know, if you're just, we know most of our listeners are, are partisan to whatever team that they're a fan of, but if you just have a chance just to watch a Conference USA game that is not of your team of choice, watch a Middle Tennessee State game because you will see a quarterback who just really enjoys playing the game. And that really came out, and that's what I mentioned to his dad. It was actually post the FIU game. And I mentioned his dad, I was like, hey, you know, it, it's just a pleasure to watch your son play. And, and I, I didn't mean that in, you know, trying to, you know, uh, in a, in a like brown nosing type of way. It's just, it's something that's really noticeable if you watch him play. You see a quarterback who, I mean, and I hate to, I don't mean this as a negative as if I'm denigrating his pro potential, but you see someone who's playing for the love of the game, who's truly not worried about, you know, the NFL or padding his stats or what his completion percentage is at the end of the game. You're truly worried about winning. I mean, there was a moment uh, during that FIU game, which was, like I said, a monsoon, just a complete rainstorm, which you saw him after he scored a touchdown, he slid into the end zone. He was like faking a little swimming because the, the end zones at Floyd Stadium were probably, you know, just flooded at that point. I remember being down the field once the rain stopped and, you know, I, I was up to my ankles in water. So, yeah, I mean, just someone who really plays for the love of the game. And that really shows, you know, you can't that type of enthusiasm and love for the game. You just can't replicate in some guys you know you wish everybody had it but you definitely see it and it's it's tangible with him absolutely i mean i don't based on your interactions with just players in general do you feel like that's a product of going through the juco system because it feels like these guys who have had to work a little harder to get to the that d1 level they tend to appreciate it a little bit more that's an interesting question joe i I don't know if I necessarily would specify it to the JUCO level because, I mean, you do come across some freshmen or some younger guys who you just tell are really chomping at the bit to go out there. But I'll I'll open it up to a broader discussion. You know, and we won't go too long on this, but in talking with Butch Davis, you know, my time covering FIU, one of the things that Coach Davis is really adamant about is that he really wishes that players, especially younger players, wouldn't be so quick to hit the transfer portal. And part of it, and he's shown to be right, is – the sheer number of kids who are entering the portal but aren't finding homes. And that, of course, is problematic because then you leave and you don't get an education or a chance to play football. But the second point that he's really been adamant about is that he really wishes that kids would just go and see out the process, right? So I think maybe part of it, Joe, is a product of, and once again, we don't want to sound like, you know, old man, get off our lawn type, you know, we, <laughs> both of us are in our 20s. But maybe there's some guys who I think it's a, transition process to go from being the man in high school to being a third or fourth stringer in college and maybe there is something to like you said about having to go through the juco process not being the most recruited guy like Ash o'hara was and then he gets a division one opportunity which you know to play quarterback at division one there are only so many of those spots and he ends up playing and like you we talked about in this interview he ends up being the first quarterback i believe since joe webb at uab I want to say it was 2009. I know you mentioned it might have been a decade. I think it was 2009 when Joe Webb was the first quarterback to run for over 1,000 yards and throw for over 2,500. So it just shows that, you know, that hard and true, you know, hard work, trust the process. I know that's an overused phrase. <laughs> Thank you, Philadelphia 76ers. But 
if you just kind of trust in yourself and and really enjoy the process of becoming a better player, it'll come out and show. So yeah, I do think maybe there is something to going through the JUCO and being lightly recruited that that shows in just his sheer love of the game. Did it surprise you at all that he uh, named Baker Mayfield as the guy he tries to model his game after? <laughs> I know Asher wouldn't say this, and maybe, you know, if there were a Conference USA Media Days this year, which unfortunately there won't be, or at least there won't be an in-person one, it'll be virtual. Let me correct myself to the people down in the uh, league office at Dallas. Mm-hmm. It'll be a virtual one. So maybe if I get a chance to talk to him at the virtual Media Days, I'll ask him about if he sees any similarities between Baker Mayfield's swag and his. Because Asher might not be as, you know, um, boisterous or you know flamboyant uh, for lack of a better phrase is baker was at oklahoma but you definitely see a little bit of that swag on the field you know he's a guy who's having fun you know he's a guy who will you know give you a little signal with the first down a little hand signal so uh doesn't definitely no surprise there that he kind of sees himself in baker mayfield and of course the physical comps being a shorter quarterback and just making plays happen so definitely no surprise there yeah i like we said or like you said rather the difference in approach, at least at this age, you know, I, I don't want to like bash Baker Mayfield at all, but he's because he, he's definitely kind of calmed down after getting to the pro ranks. But yeah, there's definitely that difference. But I can see for sure some of the similarities in there just in how they react to being under pressure and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I hopefully we get more players on throughout the off season. And I know we're looking forward to bringing you more shows in the upcoming weeks as we continue to wait out the quarantine period and get a better understanding of when and how football season is going to start. Um, you can, uh, you can come back every week by subscribing to the underdog podcast on Apple podcast, check us out on Spotify as well. And uh, of course, underdogdynasty.com. uh, fairly often. We're not updating every day at the moment, like we usually do, but, uh, we're, we're doing our best. I know Eric and a few of the other writers are breaking down position previews for uh, CUSA. And uh, I think we're going to start doing it for the other conferences as well at some point. So come back and check that out. Um, and, you know, we say it a lot, but it still rings true. Appreciate each and every one of you listening to the show because uh, it's because of you guys. We get to interview D1 football players, which is a really, really fun way to uh, spend my free time. Uh Thank you so much, everybody. Follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore on Twitter. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore on Twitter. And uh, happy football watching. We'll talk to you real soon.